Okay. Uh, I've, I've, yep, I've got you loud and clear. How many? Uh, I can hear you. All right. All right. We're going to give a five-second count, and then I'll count us in. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to Nick and Colberto, two idiots who like F1, and this is a very midfield podcast because, you know, we're basically not very good at what we do. Uh, as I said, I'm Nick. Uh, if you're joining us, you may know us from the VPL podcast. Joining me is Colberto. Colberto, please introduce yourself. Uh, well, you've already done it. Damn. So oh. I'm Colberto, also known as Colberto. Also, uh, you know, the BPL and have been on the BPL podcast once. I also yeah. voice that guy, Discount Dan's. Oh, yeah. He's pretty famous. Uh, I hear he uh, sells yeah. I hear he sells the uh, Honda engines now. But oh, uh, don't say it. it's uh, not the ooh. engines; it's the crashes. Uh, you're getting hurt. Uh, uh. Uh, so this is this is a, a very midfield podcast. Uh, this is our inaugural episode. So thank you for joining us. Um, we are a podcast about the glorious sport of F1: Sk- skinny car, flat car, wide car, finny car, fin car, car with fins. It's got a lot of some names. Of car- some of the cars do have fins in them. Facts. Uh, so, uh, what? Why do we want to do this? Why are we here? What got us into F one? Well, uh, Colberto's story is probably a lot more interesting than mine because I've only been doing this for uh, a year. So, Colberto, man, what what got you into the sport? Why? What what trapped you into the world of F one? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I was always kind of interested in the go fast when I was a, a young buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad used to watch NHRA drag racing all the time. So I would just sit with him and we'd watch John Force win 800 championships. So that was really mm-hmm. cool. Kind of like uh, Lewis Hamilton now. Yeah, sort mm-hmm. of. John Force is a tangent topic, but he's kind of the guy that they always cut to when they don't have anything to talk about anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, it was a great race. Like, what do you think about John Force? Oh, I don't want to think about it. I don't think about it. It's great. So, <laughs> this is the John Madden uh, of, F, of Go Fast. Yeah. Oh, so completely not F1. I met John Force once. Uh, I stopped him really? going to the bathroom at Tasca Ford during a, a show there, and he just stopped and said words at a thousand miles an hour <laughs> for about two minutes and took a picture with me. And he's like, ah, I gotta go piss. And he just <laughs> ran away. <laughs> that was the sum total of my interaction with a racing legend. Um, <laughs> that's, that's fucking legendary. <laughs> oh, so, man. Uh, I got to college and yeah, just interested in racing uh, for a while. But when I got to uni, uh, as the, as the English call it, oh yeah, uh, what well, is a cultured European a, sport? Yeah, I, I was a computer nerd, uh, so I, I did computer science when I was there. But we were an engineering school in addition to a computer school, and all of my roommates were gearheads, and they wanted to do this thing called SAE Baja which was a little racing thing that we do build a tubular framed off-road car. There was a four hour endurance race every year and we get some money from the school, uh, sealed engine. And I jumped in there and went like, well, how make metal bend? And by the end of it, I was, uh, doing all the steering design on there and Krug like fire, had to, fire yeah. go on metal, metal hot, make bend. How Krug do Krug won't go fast metal. No have wheel on though. How make wheel go on metal. How metal go? Pedal? No. Engine. <laughs> Boom juice. So it, it was actually kind of funny. Um, I won't get too into it, but uh, we were so, like, our school didn't have any money. So uh, 
we had one guy who was super good at CAD design and the rest of us were decent at bending metal and putting it together. So we'd have a design meeting where we design this thing, like literally on the back of a napkin with the frame, get into the room to build it. And then, uh, start, it was like the gunshot to start a race. We try to build the car before the guy designing it in CAD would get it done for FEA analysis. So we were just like building the thing and both revising it. Like, Hey, this part's going to fail. Like shit. Like, hey, we couldn't bend this tube this way, so we bent it that way. And he goes, shit. And we just, it was painting a picture of not really the most fancy racing in the universe. But we got gotcha. cars built, and we got them to competition. And it, like, building those, servicing them, and, and racing them got me, we got the blood boiling about getting back into racing. And they all watched NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR was fun. You'd watch the first five laps, and something would happen. Then there'd be 190 laps of nothing. And then the last <laughs> five laps, everyone would do something. So I started watching F1, and uh, my buddy, uh, who has the same government name as me, so we called him Canada, (laughs) and I started getting real into it um, around 2009, um, and we decided to go to a race after watching it for a while. So I was at the 2010 Canadian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton ran out of gas on his uh, qualifying lap in front of my grandstands. Hell yeah. So... uh, yeah, eagle-eyed viewers can spot me there, except you can't because the resolution is three six super bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> five whole pixels. Yeah, I was hooked. I loved it. Started watching it for a while. Then I got super bored. Um, oh, it was a 2008 Canadian Grand Prix. Good lord, I'm too old now. Because then, uh, yeah, I was my favorite driver was this young up and comer named Lewis Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. but uh he had just i think he just won or that year he had won his first championship when i was watching then this uh this punk uh sebastian vettel started winning every race and uh was, he was on red bull racing at the time and we used to call it rbr really boring racing so Oof. i kind of petered out of it for a little while and just kept uh into it on the side right and then right around the time that drive to survive came out on netflix i started getting more back into it because People have told me, like, nah, Bolchito, you got to get back into this. It's, it's getting real exciting again. Like, oh, really? And jumped into it pretty hard. Um, I went to the 2019 uh, Grand Prix of America at Coda and been just a complete, like, soap opera binger ever since. Like, watching all the practices, qualifying races, and, uh, you know, do fantasy F1, all that crap. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. And speaking of quality, that's on tomorrow for spa, isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. Shoot. So, so I guess this is, uh, the part where, uh, let's see, well, we'll get into that here in a second. So, um, yeah. as for me, I, um, I, I wasn't really into like sports growing up and I've, I'm, as you may be able to tell by my accent, I'm from the South and, uh, you know, NASCAR is huge. And uh, it's, it's like he said, it's, you know, you watch the first five laps, some shit blows up. And then uh, it's two and a half to three hours of staring and, and eating. And then uh, a, another five laps of excitement in the end is everyone rams each other into the wall trying to get over the friggin' line. So I was like, you know, not excited. Um, flash forward to the pandemic and uh, my my friends in in the BPL, uh, which if you're joining us and you don't know what that is, that is a gaming group. It's the Black Pants Legion. Check out the podcast if you're into nerdy shit. It's fucking awesome. Um, but uh, Colberto and, and a few other folks got me. They were like, hey, 
we watch F1. Do you want to watch F1? And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Why not? I like, I'm an airplane mechanic. I like things that are loud and go fast and consume egregious amounts of fuel and are comically inefficient. And, uh, yeah. so I was like, fuck it. Why not? And, uh, man, that, that like sports feeling of like team go team. I like team hit me like a fucking lightning rod, uh, to the point where, uh, I'm not even going to lie. When it came time for me to get a new car, I unabashedly went out and bought a Mercedes Benz because was I that, am, wait, was that influenced by your uh, formula? Oh, uh, well, uh, uh, well, see what had happened Ooh. was, uh, <laughs> big, Ooh, <laughs> uh, it's even got the AMG branding because AMG makes the car. <laughs> oh God, go help me. I can't stop myself. Um, yes, it was absolutely an influencer, which is, uh, you know what? I'm not ashamed. How about that? What do you, what do you think? You really have like the Harley Davidson edition of like Ford pickup trucks for some reason that I don't know why Do they have like the Lewis Hamilton edition of if, the, of the, or do they have the Valtteri Botas edition, which has like bumpers on it. So you can get through traffic easier. Yeah, no, there's no Ram on the front of the vehicle. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> preview of coming attractions. Um, so that's that's what got me into F one. Like I said, not as not as much of a romance story as as Colberto, but uh, there you have it. I, I want you all to understand why we're doing it. So let's talk about this is a perfect segue. Uh, the Hungaro Ring, the Hungarian Grand Prix Amateur Bowling League and Winter War reenactment featuring oh my god Fernando Alonso and the whitest car in the history of F one. <laughs> I mean what. What a fucking race, dude. What didn't happen during this race? It was great. It was all right. So l- brief recap for, for anyone that maybe hasn't gotten to see it. We're, we're coming to you now. Um, today's date is uh, the 26th. So we're, we're just at the end of the summer break season for F1. We're about to go to Belgium and race in spa. And uh, previously, if you're not a huge F1 follower was the Hungaro ring in Hungary. And uh, it started pretty innocuously, uh, rainy. Uh, it, and by started innocuously, I meant it's it started and the race went on for about eight seconds. And well, then, well, <laughs> uh, well, hold on, Nick, uh, gentlemen, a short trip to the past. Oh, yeah, uh, a, sh- so, a brief view to the past. <laughs> so to set this up, um, in the previous race, there was a, a little uh, a fracas, if you will, hmm. between uh, two drivers. And that was at Silverstone. A, a, a bit of a yeah. gentlemanly uh, fracas, if you will. <laughs> Something about Where, a, a mild bout of fisticuffs. <laughs> there was a uh, Lewis Hamilton is uh, the current world champion, uh, Lewis Hamilton champion of the world. Lewis and then you have a young Max Verstappen who wants to put a Verstappening to his uh, championship run. He is, he is not Verstappen in his quest <laughs> to take the championship. Damn, damn, Skippy! Don't so, worry, uh, that's only going to appear about twenty more times. Oh, we're going to tire it out this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> Honda built a damn good engine. Muian Gang built a damn good car to go against Allison and the Mercedes boys. So they've been pretty neck and neck, and both drivers have had their like ups and downs. Uh, Verstappen had his crazy blowout. Lewis had the magic happen with his uh, brake bias issue over in Baku. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, but gave us one yeah. of the best pictures of racing of Welcome to Azerbaijan with 
uh, Max Verstappen kicking the shit out of his car because it, the tire exploded. <laughs> a Pirelli is a product. Very good. Super oh, nice yeah, tire. Totally. So it that happened to Verstappen on the, I think it was the rear right tire. And it happened to Stroll on the very same tire in the very same the, race. But it wasn't the, Pirelli, it was, Pirelli's tires. Pirelli's tires are perfect. In yeah. fact, Pirelli said after the race, it was definitely not them. Could have been the teams. Could have been the way they were driving. Could have been aliens. But incidentally, the next race, weird. They're introducing a new compound that's a bit stronger than the I, previous one. I was told by a source I cannot name that Elvis Presley may have also been involved in those tires failing. It's, it's I mean, possibility. Yeah. You it's can't count it out. Possible. Didn't, always, didn't there, the truth is out there. It's you're not wrong. Didn't their tires fail in the exact same corner as well? I don't think it was the exact same corner, but it was the exact same way. And I think both of them, it was just on a straight. They were going in a straight line, and the tire decided, hey, time for siesta. And have a wonderful time. I have a wonderful time. And just speared both of them into the wall, uh, it was, which it was... was there was some other matching metric. Like it was like they had both had like X number of laps on the tire or something, which digging way into it. It's Amazon web service levels of tire evaluation. Oh, uh, so no public service announcement for anyone who is getting into the sport. If you see a metric show up when you're watching F1 on the graphics, that's it powered by AWS willfully ignore anything that says it doesn't matter. Dear Jeff, please, please stop building a spaceship and <laughs> fix the tire metrics if you're listening to this, which you're almost certainly not. But anyway, so t- tan- tangent city. But I remember when they first introduced the graphics, they didn't tell the commentators that they were doing it. So the commentators were like, what oh, the hell, hell is yeah. this? And we're <laughs> constantly like, yeah, what is this? He has 10% tire left. That's weird. He went for 10 more laps. That's, that's a very interesting metric you have there, Amazon. Fascinating. So they had to like, yeah. But anyway. Uh, point being, okay. Lewis and uh, and Verstappen very close in the world yes. championship. Verstappen leading uh, Lewis, which is surprising. It's the first yes. time that I think that's happened in quite a while. Mercedes was They're not going, challenged at all last year, really and honestly. Yeah, well, with their with the Kraut Space Magic car with uh, dual axis steering, the dash. Oof. But uh, they enter the race before the race. I think even Toto Wolf said. Uh, it'd be the only way that they would be able to get into the lead is if um, Red Bull had a DNF. So anyway, Uh-oh. they get into the race. Um, <laughs> qualifying for that race was awesome uh, because it was sprint qualifying. First time they had tried doing that. And Lewis and Verstappen were like neck and neck in the first uh, few sectors, which is where the Mercedes still had an edge on the, on the Red Bull. And as soon as it got to like past turn four, I think, is when uh, Verstappen got in front of Lewis and he was gone. And for the rest of the sprint race, Verstappen just took it home, got pole position, and there was nothing Lewis could do. So the race happens. They go into it. They're both, again, just like the sprint qualifying, which you can't call a sprint race because contracts are weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, They get into side-by-side, constantly battling back and forth. It's awesome racing. And then they get into, I'm going to say turn four and be wrong, but in turn four, they're side-by-side again get a little close to each other and uh back left tire of uh Verstappen who's on that side on the outside of the turn gets clipped by Lewis's front tire Verstappen spins off the track a la Mazda spin and hits a wall at an egregious speed and takes a huge g impact and the oh, car yeah. is com- 
completely toastified. He's fine, though, which is an important part. And, Lewis, no damage, goes on to win the race. And con- contentious there. Um, a, a lot of people yeah. saying Lewis made a uh, an, an unsafe maneuver there. And the, the, uh, the FIA reviewed it. They came back and they said that both drivers equally at fault. So it's just a racing incident. Oh, no, no, no. They did not have that a racing incident. Lewis actually got a 10 second time penalty, I believe, off of that. But he was able to recover oh, from he? it. And he still. Yeah. So he was found to be more at fault in the incident. But regardless mm. of oh, that, that's right. Still, that's right. Yeah. He did end up still winning the race. Uh, he did have to punch up to do it. So like Lewis awesome driver was able to pull it off. Right. Was the move a bit cheeky onto him? Was it a fair move to get him to, you know, super crash? Like the historians will, uh, will be the judge of that. Uh, right now though, the important bit is it started a whole war of words between oh, yes. Red Bull and Mercedes. They started just knocking each other out and Red Bull, not exactly coming out on the rosy side of things with the rhetoric coming from their camp. And I am a Red Bull fan. So that makes me the sad, mm. uh, Having said that, go into this race, right? Qualifying, Mercedes 1-2, Verstappen starts on the second row, uh, but completely thrown asunder because on race day, it is pouring out. Oh, yes. Track is soaked. And we have Valtteri Bottas at the Hungary. Who is second place starting off. Second place. Really? Really? His start. Really looking yeah. for that uh, Mercedes seat uh, in <laughs> in the coming season. Doesn't want to lose it to Russell, so he figures, you know what? I'll just I'm just going to wrap this up in a bow for my team. Oh my and God. he, uh, in uh, I joke in seriousness, he came into the very first turn of the Hungara ring. These cars have been racing. If you're in the front for what, maybe 200 feet, locks the brakes up. Uh, picks up a McLaren on on the hood for an ornament and uh, then proceeds to put that McLaren into the whole front of the pack. And, so what uh, happened? Yeah. Sir he Lewis was- Hamilton <laughs> is the only person <laughs> to escape. I think the, the order of the bowling uh, result was, I believe it was Botas into Norris, Norris yes. into Verstappen, and then yep. Botas slides off of Norris and slams into Perez and takes them all out. And I think there were a couple other spinners in the background from accident avoidance. Well, so uh, there was um, one Danny of the Rick got spun. Y- yes, because one of the Aston and then uh, Leclerc was tagged as well oh. because one well, of the Leclerc. Aston Martins went off into the grass trying to avoid it. Lost traction on the grass, couldn't break, went into the Ferrari. Well, it was a, it was like a carbon copy of the Botas incident from uh, King Stroll himself uh, mm. coming through and ended up touching the grass and going straight into Leclerc and ends his race. So yep. the end result of it is Perez's car is shagged. It's gone. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Um, Verstappen's car is Barge damaged. Board. Its arrow is right yeah, side. Gone. On, on the right side he's compromised for the rest of his race and has to go into the pits for, well, everyone goes in the pits because they red flagged the race. Well, and, and did, did everyone go in the pits? Everyone went in the pits uh, for the red flag. Oh, oh, that's so everyone goes in the pits for the red flag. You can't change your tires when you're in the pits for a red flag. So they're all waiting to go back out during this period. Rain, rain, go away. Uh, they take all the cars off the track. They, 
they had to front flag because there was debris everywhere. It was like oh, a it was, it, it, was in- it was like somebody set an IED off in the middle of the damn roadway. I mean, it was just shit all over the place. Yeah. Uh, well, stepping back though to the incident itself before going into the red flag. Uh, Fair. What, what did you think of the um, the amateur bowling? Uh, I thought he definitely could have cleaned up the spare if if they had let him bowl again. I, I think uh, no. I I really think that. Uh, surprising because I think Valtteri is a great driver. Um, he catches a lot of shit because he's um, the teammate of the world champion, but I think in his own right, he's a great driver. And he's I think, a great teammate driver. Fair. Um, I think that the uh, conditions just caught him off guard. And I think he was really caught up in trying to fight for that second place so that he could be that good teammate driver. And I think he, I think he misjudged his braking distance. I tried to, I think he tried to gamble on a late braking and uh, which is maybe not a great idea when you're, you know, like eight feet from a McLaren that's going into the first turn. And uh, especially when it's the first turn of the race. And I mean, like everybody's just jammed up like a bunch of sardines, you know, um, I think he, I think he maybe made a little bit of a gamble and, uh, given the track conditions, it <laughs> clearly did not pay off because he got a five position penalty out of that going into spa. Yeah, he right. got slammed for that. And you could even see, he knew he fucked up cause he's sitting there on the sidewall after the crash and he's just poor guy, man. I felt bad for him. He was just sitting there with his hands folded and his race gear still on, just sitting on the tire barrier. Just like, Oh, I have. I have done the naughty thing and I'm going to go to timeout and <laughs> I don't want to go talk to dad yet. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that both him and stroll kind of just screwed up going into their cold tires, wet track, and they were just being a little too, uh, too aggressive with it. Um, if I, uh, if I had to be upset of, or uh, a bit, a bit unfair about it, um, Side note, I'm going to try to secretly turn this into a MotoGP podcast because I also follow that religiously. So I, th- I think if yeah. we run out of things to talk about, we can just uh, <laughs> talk about the half car racing. That, that's true. Half car is a lot of fun, too. But uh, there was Casey Stoner once uh, got taken out by uh, Valentino Rossi and in a post-race interview said that his uh, ambition outweighed his talent. I believe was the phrase that he used. Oof. I think that, uh, yeah, uh, ooh, ooh. Uh, this may have been a, I don't mean to say it so harshly, but I think Valtteri kind of, uh, kind of outthought himself into that turn and they did it, they off a bit up, more than he could chew. Yeah. And, you know, ruined the race for a, a lot of other drivers. So I, I agree. I don't think he intended to do it. I don't think I'm not putting on the tinfoil hat and saying this is Mercedes trying to gain more ground on the Red Bulls, but, but I, it does make a great I, meme, and it's really funny. It does make an amazing <laughs> meme because um, there have also, been memes of like Toto or uh, Toto and the little Star Wars hologram and the in <laughs> the bottom of the cockpit view for Valtteri's car being like execute order sixty six. Like it's just <laughs> the memes are just top fucking tier. Uh, and then the best thing that happened to Lance Stroll that race was Valtteri Botas because he did the same thing and nobody talks about it because he only <laughs> took out one driver. Not three. <laughs> uh, uh, you're not wrong, but uh, man, poor, poor Charles Leclerc. He, uh, he just cannot he catch, catch a, a fucking break. break. 
So what happened is, uh, I believe it was Stroll that went in the grass and clipped the yes, yeah, Stroll kind of Stroll was kind of you know track limits, schmack limits, and turned in a little hard, touched the grass. Also, didn't break well, locked up, and uh, decided to play bumper cars with Charles Ferrari. Yeah, he put his uh, put the I think it was the front right. It was one of the front tires, like just straight into the engine pod, um, and just uh, did did they have to replace that power unit? I don't know, but the car definitely didn't look like it was a happy camper after that. No. Well, I mean, God, you during the hit, you could see uh, the initial pile up off of Botas. You could see the uh, coolant just venting out of Perez's yep. car. I mean, that thing was fucked. So they tried to continue with Perez's car to get it back to the pits. And then as it was going, I think the, as the story goes, it ended up dumping all of its oil and locking up. And like the engine was just, they knew that that engine was done right there on the track. Mm. Uh, Cause I think, I think he had a loss of power, which is why he, so like Perez tried to keep going and they're like, where are you going? And he ended up just having to pull out. And uh, that was one Red Bull engine dead. After the race, they discovered Verstappen ran the rest of the race for what it's worth. Yes. But, um, that engine is also shagged. That's uh, two engines down for Red Bull, which is a big deal. Because two, is that two penalty points? Uh, it's not penalty points. It's if you you only have X amount of engines to use per season. I think it's three. But again, this is this is the preparation that I had going into this. Is I didn't look that up beforehand. But what it does mean is Paris is already down two engines from incidents. Now Max is down an engine it is extremely likely, I think almost a certainty, that before the end of the season, they're going to need to crack uh, an engine beyond what they're allowed, and mm. you take a grid penalty for doing so. So Red Bull's uh. probably going to be on the back foot later in the season for the first race that they have to break out this engine beyond what the FIA allows. Right. And it kind of uncovers a bit of a... Uh, it, one of those areas of the rules that could probably be improved where if your engines get destroyed by competitors uh, yes. you know, or just things, you know, acts of God on an insurance form, right? Like right. causing that to happen. The rules there to for engine reliability. Back in the day, you'd have engines blow up all the time. So it's supposed to be, you know, your engine's supposed to not only be fast, but it's supposed to last. And modern F1 engines, pretty damn good at doing that unless your name is Renault in the previous seasons, but in which case uh, it's go fast and eat ass. Uh, well, it's the spirit of the rule isn't really being followed. If your car is just being slammed, bam, thank you, ma'am, to do a wall and that kills the engine. So yeah. I, I think that that probably requires discussion. a bit of, I'm not going to change the season. I don't think unless Red Bull gives Massey a gorillion dollars to do it on their behalf, but uh, yes, bribery into. Yeah. I think later rule changes might be like, well, maybe you get another engine. If one is destroyed from, you know, a crash, that is not your fault. Well, you know, Michael, I send you an email about uh, <laughs> the rule for the power unit swaps. And uh, you, you take a look at it yet. What? Uh, <laughs> memes are so one of the greatest things that they have done is they now uh all the much like if you if you're coming from nascar or uh indycar or any other racing uh the comms between drivers and the pit wall are all public That's so all you open, can hear everything they're open. saying uh this year they've also opened the comms publicly between the pit wall and race control 
So you can hear them complain, which is which is oh fucking gold. Oh my god, it's super a, good. It's a salt mine of just <laughs> uh just so mm, set magnifique. After, after the Silverstone incident, the team principal of Mercedes, who is a nine foot eight Austrian man that sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Toto uh, Wolf, Toto Wolf. He, he gets on to the, the radio for Massey, Michael Massey, who's the race director. And he's like, Michael, Michael, I have the, all of the data. I sent you an email. The email will tell us that there's very interesting information. Check your email. And Massey's like, I don't check my email during the race. He's like, yes, but it's in the email. And it's the greatest. Like, Massey's response is, is that of a guy who works at Taco Bell and just got a call <laughs> for a fucking 12-inch pepperoni pizza. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do with this information. Because he's so for those who are not in the know, he's a race steward. He's in charge of a safe race. He doesn't investigate incidents. <laughs> so he's like, I don't know what you would you like. First of all, no, I'm busy. And second of all, like, I don't give a shit. I, <laughs> I could tell the customer I'd, I worked in customer service for a while. I could read that interaction like a book. And he was like, I don't know why you're fucking doing this. <laughs> in total customer service mode like i understand your frustration i see why you're angry where this is being looked into this is why we have stewards to look into this you know if you want to take it up with the i understand i feel you i I promise that i will escalate your email to the appropriate level as soon as possible yeah no great but um so going back to uh to the Hungaro ring. Uh, so we have this, this massive crash and then a smaller crash committed by Aston Martin that no one really cared about. <laughs> so we have the, uh, we have then the race restarts. They clear the track. Uh, I believe we have uh, Perez, one of the McLarens uh, and like two or three other cars. There, there think, were a couple I think of cars. Botas, of course, and I think one more car was taken out. So I want to say it was for the next podcast is we should look this stuff up before it. Probably. Also, I want to let you know if you've gotten if you've made it into this part of the podcast, let me tell you this. This is intended to be like a uh, sort of a barroom talk, like a like a conversation you'd have over a beer with a friend. And this uh, is literally fly on the wall to what Nick and I do after the race. Essentially, yes, because we we think that perhaps our ambition exceeds our talent. However, <laughs> we think we're fairly enjoyable and we're just happy to have you guys here for the chit chat. We know there's a lot of F1 podcasts out there that do the technical minutia. They do, you know, the stats and everything. So I, full service. I have a day job. Colberto has a day job. If you want the in-depth research, you may be best served by one of those, but maybe this is just something to get your feet wet so you can jump in the game. At any rate, so we we have some DNFs, we uh, inclusive of uh, the big ones. So we have a McLaren out, which is really the important part. We have Botas out. We have uh, <clears throat> Verstappen, very very handicapped. Perez is out. A McLaren is out. So we've really taken a lot of the heavy hitters off the field. Hamilton's up who everyone assumes is now going to win the race until this funny thing happens called the formation lap. And they all come out of the pits. So important thing to say beforehand, uh, as mentioned earlier, you can't change your tires 
during a red flag. I don't Correct. Believe. So everybody is still on intermediates and intermediates. There's two wet tires, wets and inters and wets are for, Oh God, Noah's Ark needs to be out on the track right now. And inters are for, it's kind of wet, but not like super duper wet, which is during weird. Red, it's, oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say it's, it's weird looking at the inners because the rain tires actually have tread on them. Mm-hmm. And if you watch an F1 yeah. car, you're usually used to seeing just slick tires. It's really neat. Anyway, so uh, they them heading back out on the track, uh, as mentioned during this red flag, which took you know twenty minutes, half hour, I forget exactly how long. The rain clears out, and the track starts drying up real fast. Mm-hmm. So they they leave the pits, and another very interesting thing, and a very important thing to realize is that when you're on the formation lab, your pit wall cannot call you. They cannot give you race instructions. That is very true. So you can tell them what you're going to do, but they can't respond. Oh, so. by the way, <clears throat> to uh, give a quick of everyone who was out of the race after the first lap, you had Lance Stroll, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Valtteri Botas, Lando Norris, and Nikita Mazepin oh, we're after getting, three laps? We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, okay. Uh, so, I actually don't remember how he got out of the race. I do. But anyway. Okay. This will be exciting then. It's coming up right now. So they're making their formation lap. And a lot of the drivers are getting on the radio. And they're saying, hey, track's dry. Which is code for... Please get the mechanics ready because I am going to switch my tires. Now, being at the front of a race, as Lewis Hamilton is, carries with it certain advantages, but also certain penalties. Uh, you retain the initiative. You, you are leading the race. However, uh, if you fuck something up, everyone else is there to learn from your mistake and then not commit it. <laughs> so there is a hazard with being first. Lewis keeps telling his his team over the radio, and I, maybe in the heat of the moment, he just forgot that they couldn't talk to him. But he keeps saying, track's dry, guys. Yep, track's really dry. And they're not saying anything. So uh, Lewis he, he, gets to the pit lane, and, and then he goes past the pit lane. And then Fernand, uh, I believe it was Esteban, Esteban Ocon, Esteban says... Time for some racing slicks, please. And everyone else says, I too would like some racing slicks, please. And so then you have, uh, after the amateur bowling league, uh, you have the mad scramble to put on tires, because correct me if I'm wrong, Colberto, but uh, the order in which you come out of the pits into the pit lane is your starting order. I it's not the grid. Or how we left the race. The, so the so way then, that the pits are set up is, are you talking about the way that the pits are lined up or are you talking about? So like, uh, let's, let's say I'm in the formation lap. I'm, I'm Esteban Ocon, right? I'm after all the DNFs, I am second behind Lewis Hamilton. If I go into the pits, but I have a long stop and let's say, um, Nicholas Latifi, let's say Vettel's got in front front of of him or something. Right. Is he now, in second and I have forfeited that position or is it correct? Okay. You are correct. So we have this fucking just cacophony of action of drivers trying to hit the pits and then get out at least in the order they came into the pits. Right. 
So this is where we have the uh, reenactment of the Winter War, where uh, <laughs> Finnish legend Kimi Raikkonen spies a Russian ship off the port bow and immediately releases a devastating torpedo attack, uh, has an unsafe release, knocks the wheel of uh, Nikita Maspin's Haas car completely loose. Tire. Oh and then God. says, uh, you know, they're like, hey, Kimmy, you gotta you gotta watch what you're doing, to which I believe his response was, for what? And then he just <laughs> fucking left. So <laughs> that's how Nikita oh. Maspin got taken out of the race. I forgot about that. He oh, was during the pit yeah. scramble. Oh yes. Oh, so man. then we have uh Sir Lewis Hamilton. Oh by himself. Dick. I think, uh, oh my god, uh, it was such a great picture of just him waiting for the lights to go out. I think Jeremy Clarkson, after Silverstone, had a tweet that's like, a bold strategy by the FIA, Lewis is the only person on the track, so he can't cause any more crashes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, so then um, they restart the Lights race. out, and away we go. Lights yep. out, and away we go. Round two electric boogaloo, and... Uh, Hamilton very quickly realizes that he needs to be on racing slicks. So uh, effectively, effectively, the entire field has undercut Lewis Hamilton for a pit stop. Very, extremely funny. Uh, by, so he, by he is a huge margin. I think he was like five seconds a lap slower than his previous time on those uh, inters or something like that. And then he has to then go into the pits again and yes. change out his tires again. So meaningfully wow. all, all of again, all of the heavy hitters for this race are gone. So mm -hmm. what he's going to leave the pits into is a giant fucking pit of cars that are all just really right on top of each other. That's true. Norris is a podium contender consistently. Leclerc is always up there sniffing forward. Botas and then the two Red Bulls, of which Verstappen's still in the race. But this is like a NASCAR pit stop for him. They 200 mile an hour taped the entire side of that oh, car to try God, to get yes. him as much as possible. And then and I, I guess no. we, found, we found out, too, the power unit was busted. So he was he really probably was not getting the power out of the car that he needed either. I don't remember if that was something that happened after the race where they're just like, this thing is just going to fail or if he was getting power issues during the race. Regardless, that aero, these cars are extremely dependent on their aerodynamics. Like an oh, yeah. aero compromise, a minor aero compromise can completely throw the balance off the car. It can really Ball screw you up, especially in heavy load maneuvers, like heavy braking and turning into something or a high speed turn. And the entire right side of his car no longer has airflow that they know what's going to happen because it removed, as Nick said, this uh, thing called a barge board off of it that just jams air into a pattern that they've designed for it to work, forces it towards the rear of the car to areas they need. And now it ain't getting nothing. So uh, he is. It's like stopping his with half a wing. Car. Oh, yeah. It bad. But uh, so he. Uh he's fighting and uh, or Verstappen is, is fighting in the middle of the pack where he normally would not be. So uh, after a very brief stint on the course, Hamilton confirms with uh, his pit wall. Now that the race is underway. The pit wall can talk back to him and they confirm. Yep. You need some racing slicks. So <laughs> 
Hamilton comes in for his pit stop, and to their credit, Mercedes does a pretty good pit stop, but uh, not the, as good as Red Bull, and they complained about that. Big oof. Um, but when the cars are still, you know, all bunched up on each other, and the average pit stop now the the pit stop maintenance action may be two and a half three seconds to enter the pits, do the maintenance, exit the pits is more the tune of twenty twenty five seconds, I believe. It, it, it very much depends on the track, but roughly in the twenties of seconds is what you're looking at. So that's uh that's twenty seconds of lead that Hamilton does not have. And he comes out dead ass last. Just everybody passing by. And there's a a gap between the last car, which would have been Mazepin, but isn't because he's out of the race and him. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. So we'll we'll talk about the shame. He was out of the race. But uh, yeah, so now Lewis is in the back. The Mercedes, not a car, a car known for going extremely very fast in clear air at the front of a race. Not a car known for being <laughs> particularly easy to get through traffic with. And yeah, now no. he has the traffic of everyone to pass Literally. at the Hungaro ring, which is not the easiest track to pass before. Famous for difficult passing, actually, as, as it turns out. This was the first race that I had actually seen at the Hungaro ring. Uh, hmm. So I, I did not know that about it. But um, so we have early um, something that is, uh, well, first of all, we have the magical team radio message. Esteban, you are now leading the Hungarian Grand Prix, which was fucking magical to hear. Like, I might be a Mercedes fan, but that was fucking great. Like, Well, this is tangential because Toto Walsh is manager. Oh, really? Yeah, Toto is the manager oh. of Esteban and Russell. Ah, but um, so I, but I thought it was great to hear to hear that about Alpine, you know, like seeing somebody new on the podium is, is awesome or in position for a podium is awesome. Watching the underdogs climb up. Yeah. It's even crazier because Ocon didn't have a drive last year. Um, He was out. Ocon's story is that he was at racing point, which is now Aston Martin uh, with Sergio Perez. And the team had been before that it was force India. That team has gone under so many changes. So it used to be a team called Force India, owned by this Indian oligarch who it turns out, like, surprise, surprise, had huge financial issues and was, oh, like, weird. persona non grata back in his country, something like that. Team goes into arrears, uh, goes into new ownership. The new ownership is one Canadian billionaire, Lawrence Stroll, mm. son of Sir Lance Stroll. Comes in, buys the team. Lance, at that point, is racing on Williams, and Lawrence is kind of helping bankroll oh, that team during yeah, the, the Williams team. team's ownership. That was the Pepto-Bismol special last year, right? The- oh, that, that was the racing point, yeah. So he, he goes into the team, uh, effectively buys the team, and then uh, puts his son on the team. Now, the whole thing is everyone, biggest or worst-kept secret in the paddock, Lance Stroll's coming to racing point. Which driver gets the axe? Uh, Perez has Carlos Slim money. He also came from a uh, like a background of not very much you know privilege or anything, but he punched his way up through the Euro Series and everything, and he became a really fast driver. And he has the financial backing at that point. Esteban doesn't really, but he's really fast. He's a kid again, like not from very much, 
and he just talented his way up into being in Formula One. So everyone's kind of rooting. Like both of them are guys that people like, but mm. there's a lot of guys rooting for Esteban to keep his seat because he got like both these guys got it on merit. And Lance is coming in like Lance is fast, but at the time didn't really have the credentials that you'd really want from a guy jumping into an F1 seat. He's Esteban gets the boot. Right. And and I think we're seeing a lot of that with uh, Nikita Masbin as well. Uh, another paid is, driver who has not a lot of credentials, not a lot of experience, um, arguably is just unlike uh, Esteban Ocon, just not a good driver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. So well, unlike Lance Stroll, I should say, because I would, I would argue that despite all the memes and the criticism last year, Lance seems to have really grown as a driver. Lance really put it together. I was not a Stroll fan when he was on Williams and complaining all the time. After Ocon left, he was kind of a bit not so fun, but he has matured and he is fast and he definitely earned his place in the club as a F1 driver. And like, I'm we're I'm sure we're still going to give him shit here and there well, just because it's we easy. Have to. Yeah, it's it's the same. required. It's the same reason but, we shit on Lewis Hamilton. It's not, you know, he's objectively oh, the best driver out there, but it's just, it's easy. So we're going to do it. But he is, uh, man, has he gotten fast and has he gotten mature, uh, more importantly, behind the wheel yeah. of that car? And he is, he's a steady hand at this point. Um, I wouldn't say he's the best driver on the grid, but he is a solid midfield guy that can sometimes create some really good results. Helps that he has a really good car now. Yes. Um, but anyway, Ocon, uh, out of the seat, he's got Toto backing him. Toto's already got the Wunderkin that is Russell kind of waiting in the wings to uh, maybe uh, take a seat on Mercedes. Lewis ain't retiring anytime soon. Nah. So Ocon's kind of in this weird limbo. Um, Renault, which used to be, or Alpine rather, which used to be Renault, uh, changed their name. Cyril Abutable, who is one of my favorite team principals on the grid, ends up mm-hmm. going out to pasture for his own reasons. Um, they bring in, actually, the guy who's running the team right now is from MotoGP, which is a really? fun little thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I am forgetting his name right now, but he was Suzuki's team principal. And what I don't think he has a team have. principal title. Yeah. Uh, I'll remember it later and probably shout it in surprise that my brain worked again. But, there you go. Um, he uh, he got a seat on Alpine, and uh, additionally, one Fernando Alonso, who had been out of the sport for a bit, got a seat on Alpine. So pretty cool mm-hmm. to see him back in the sport. But it's one of those uh, situations, like the Perez win last year, where Perez was kind of he was out of racing point, uh, but he had gotten that win over in I forget where Azerbaijan maybe, and then uh, this year got a win at Baku with Red Bull. So he's kind of the driver that shouldn't still be in a seat, but got a win under his belt. Now, mm-hmm. Ocon is in a prime position at the front of the race to maybe pull off the same thing. Yes. And uh, so we have Ocon leaving the pack early, followed by one Sebastian Vettel, the most mm-hmm. uh, the most wholesome man in all of F1. He's the best. And uh, I think a glossed-over battle that was brief, it was brief, but uh, good, very good was I don't 
I don't know if after Nikita got taken out of the race, the Haas principal maybe just like gave up and left for the day, or if they just said, fuck it, drive the car and see what you can do. But uh, Max Verstappen tried to pass mm-hmm. Mick Schumacher. And Mick Schumacher and Mick got his elbows out. He was not fucking having it. And I thought it was fucking great. I was like, was I haven't seen this good. team do anything but sit at the back of the race and block traffic all season. And all of a sudden, Mick Schumacher's like, nah, y'all can eat shit. I'm fucking, I'm in it. <laughs> we're, we're fucking doing this thing. I feel like we're almost introducing the drivers to people as we're going through this grid. Mick Schumacher, uh, product of the loins of one Michael Schumacher, uh, yeah. F1 royalty. Yeah. Kind of fun fact about Mick Schumacher. He used a pseudonym during the beginning of his career. Uh, yes. He didn't want people to know that he was related to Michael so that if he did well, it was because he did well, which I think is a really cool fact about him. Not Definitely. that I think anyone was really fooled, but still he put the effort in. Probably not. I mean, he tried. It was a for effort. But um, I, um, I think uh, that... Uh, I think that he's got chops, you know, I think I, I want to see what he does in a better car. I think next year is going to be very interesting. I, he's fast. He won the uh, F2 championship, right? So he's, he has, he's a race winner. He knows how to put a race together. Uh, he's tends to be a late bloomer when he mm-hmm. goes into a uh, series, like even in F2, he was, uh, he was, good but not great and after some time he like in the second half of the season is when he really pulled it all together and figured it out uh last season for instance mm-hmm. it wasn't like a runaway victory so uh it's going to be interesting to see how he develops as a driver but i think that he's got the right head for it and while maybe he's going to be a bit slower to adapt than other folk he's also in a car that might as well be a bumper car from a state fair at the moment so yeah, so to, to bring the unenlightened in, um, the reason I said, you know, did the Haas people just fucking leave for the day? Uh, there have been some rule changes for this season of F1 with regard to budgets, the amount of money people can spend on development, spend on cars, and Haas has elected to basically forego any shot at actual competition this year in order to spend that money next year. Uh, yeah, developing the car. And very importantly, next year is going to be ex- well. Extremely different is overselling it, but it's going to be very different. The cars are changing dramatically going mm-hmm. into 2022. Um, not to go, we could maybe talk about it in detail later, but effectively, the entire aerodynamic packages of the car are changing, which means the entire car needs to be redesigned. And there are some other regulations coming into effect. But what it really means is it's an open field next year. The engines are all going to be the same. That's the important bit, but the arrow is going to be wildly different. It's going to go for a more ground effect style to, to put it for people that kind of understand what that means. Um, it's supposed to make it so it's easier for the cars to race close to each other. There's a concept called dirty air where if you're very close to another car, it messes up the aerodynamics of your car right. and makes it that. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to pass. That's why this thing called, um, Oh my goodness! Uh, the system that they use to open up the rear wing and go past people—the oh, pass button, DRS. So drag, or reduction, drag system. reduction system. There it is. Yeah. So that that was something implemented uh, after a couple of kind of like 
abandoned attempts to have a push to pass thing so that people could pass each other easier. And there's some rules on that, but I won't belabor it. Point being, Haas has elected to cease all development and all spending on their current car because of that greenfield next year to say, let's throw it all on the table. Let's bet big on this and maybe come up with a car that is not a pile of crap for when the 2022 regulations come into effect. But that does mean that they are effectively boat anchors for the rest of the season. Uh, the blue flag, blue flag express <laughs> is, uh, is, is what these guys are this year. Uh, I, it's, I, I dare say that Nikita Maspin and Mick Schumacher have probably barely even seen a checkered one. Uh, you know, oh, the, the, like the red, yellow, and blue maybe, yeah. is, is about all they've gotten this year. But um, I, I really liked seeing uh, Mick Schumacher pull pull the stops out and just and just get in there a little bit. It shows that he's got some aggression. Uh, Max is is well known for being an aggressive driver when it comes to overtaking and defending, and uh, to see. Mick get in there and really just not be at all intimidated by that was, uh, was really cool. Um, but yeah, the, the Haas team is kind of hot garbage this year. Um, uh, so my, my, my old tangent there with, so I used to be a Haas fan. Uh, you used to fan. be, I believe you still well, have a Haas hat. Do you not? Yeah. But the, the drivers that signed it are no longer in the sport. So oops. Oh, oops, you mean, doodles. you mean, uh, Nico, the whole Kalkenberg and, Oh no, no. Broman Grosjean, Broman Grosjean. Grosjean and, uh, K mag, the Kevin of the Magnus. Oh, that's right. K mag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. The guy who, uh, told someone to go fuck themselves. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, but, so I, I, I won't anyway. labor the story of the hat. Now we can talk about that maybe yep. later. I don't want to. There yeah, we go. The race flow, but yeah. Hot, so hot, sad, sad days. So we had uh, we had Verstappen moving up the pack. Um, ultimately, he he winds up finishing in the points, which for F one is uh, tenth or higher, and you get an increasing number of points. For uh, tenth is one point, and then it goes up from there up to eighteen, I think, for first place. Or who finished in the points? Max. Uh, oh, yeah, he did. You're he right. Did. Um, so he finished right at tenth, I believe, and then he uh, he actually yeah he ghosted raced. in the ninth, which we'll we'll get uh-huh. to that. We'll get to that. Yep. So uh, meanwhile, while this is going on, we have Sir Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world, barreling his way up the pack, and then we have, I believe, the order was. Uh, Esteban, Vettel, Signs, mm-hmm. and then uh, Fernando Alonso. Fernando, Fernando is faster. Please confirm you understand. Uh, Fernando was definitely faster. Uh, so let's see. <laughs> we were Important. towards the last quarter of the race. Were there, were, was there anything else towards before we get into the the tail end of this? What other things did you see, Colberto, in the in the race? Well, I think I think something really that liked. was kind of underreported is Carlos raced one hell of a race in that Ferrari, and he was kind of yes. by himself for a while, but he made some good passes and got himself into in the end a very good position. We'll go after that in the results, but uh, Carlos really pulled out the stops here at the Hungaro Ring and. Put together something that was really awesome. 
And now that you mention it, not only did he really drive and race well, he was he was really, I mean, just like full tilt engaged in that race, both from oh, yeah. a driver and a strategy perspective, because he was telling his team, hey, no, we're not going to stop yet. I've still got more in the tires. <laughs> Which we I can... feel like is a Ferrari problem. Like the drivers call the shots oh, a lot God. when it comes uh, to that stuff. Well, I mean, you're talking about the team that last year, Sebastian Vettel, uh, who drove for Ferrari at the time, uh, had his brakes to go out, flew through about six foam barriers, called in and said, my brakes are out. And the team called back and said, ah, stop the car. (laughs) (laughs) How? (laughs) Like, I get it. But also, man, Vettel, for what it's worth, and I know he's uh, high in the race right now, what a comeback story for him in terms of like his, when he was on Ferrari, very not good. Uh, like his relationship with the team, definitely you could see was kind of poor, yeah. but he well, got, Ferrari was he got hired on mess overall last year too. But they, Ferrari's also been putting it together this year. It's, they it's have. really interesting. Ferrari's got a really good car and a good team this year. Uh, their drivers are some of the best on the grid. And then Vettel gets hired on by uh, Sir Lawrence Stroll to be on the newly branded Aston Martin team, formerly Racing Point, formerly Force India. Good Lord. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, he's just on there to be, you know, a, a poster hire. He's going to sell hats, all this stuff. He has been kicking ass this year and kind of proven everybody wrong that the old dog still got some tricks up his sleeve. Hell yeah. Um I think he raced a phenomenal race as well. He was on uh, Esteban's tail uh, the whole time, and it was there were inches where he could have passed Esteban. And at this point, Esteban and Svetel are kind of in their own race. There's a big distance between them and Science. I say big; it's probably like ten or fifteen seconds, but maybe it's a yeah. lot. And uh, first of all, incredible skill shown by Vettel to put the pressure on and keep the pressure on for basically the entire race and phenomenal skill shown by Esteban Ocon for not buckling. He didn't put a foot wrong. He was great. I mean, amazing, but it, uh, and, and Carlos signs as well did a phenomenal job breaking through the pack, pulling it together for Ferrari, getting into that P3 position but uh, unfortunately, there were some other things in the works as the man, the myth, the legend, he who pulled the F1 car from the stone, Sir Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world, barrels up the pack un- until he meets a man who I guess maybe holds a grudge for the Battle of Trafalgar. I don't know because he, <laughs> he meets... Fernando Alonso, who happens to be driving a car that is approximately 800 feet wide. <laughs> so for Fernando and Lewis also, former teammates on McLaren. Yes. Uh, battling for championships back in the day. Yep. So Fernando now driving a, a slower car in the Alpine. Uh, Lewis Hamilton driving the Crowd Space Magic machine. Yes, not as great as last year, but still, Crowd Space Magic is Crowd Space Magic. That's uh, I believe Krupp built it for an amount of money that ends in a number of zeros greater than twelve. I, who knows? It's it's right out of the Wunderwaffe program, but uh, 
Yeah, uh, the, the Mercedes is unreal fast and and nimble to boot. And when he catches up to Fernando, the pace that he is just dispatching cars going through these laps will easily put him in a position where he's going to be able to challenge and probably take this race win. Yep, absolutely. But uh, Fernando Alonso is, uh, as we said, driving a car that is two and a half miles wide, and uh, he is just, he's not having it. And I mean, if if you haven't watched it, strongly recommend, get on YouTube. If you have an F1 TV account, which, uh, I'm look, this is the first podcast. We're not sponsored by Jack Diddley or fuck all. Uh Pretty cheap, really. Uh, I think, and worth well, it if like you're an F1 fan. Stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> try F1 TV. <laughs> Watch all the practices and qualify. <laughs> it's well, then you get all the archive stuff too, so you can go back and look at some of the other stuff we talked about. Because I'm sure we'll break into the history of F1 later. But um, sure. at any rate, uh, really like top tier, absolute peak. F1 moments right up there with last year when Lewis Hamilton was racing uh, Verstappen to the finish line with a blown out tire. The the three wheel victory. That was insane. It was absolutely insane. And, and this is right up there with him. I mean, Fernando Alonso aggressively authoritatively defends against uh, Lewis Hamilton for lap after lap. After lap, and I mean, Lewis is coming at him from every angle. He's taking every line, and he's just getting boxed out at every single turn. It was unbelievable. Like, you'd you'd watch him poke and prod at different lines going through. There were a couple of turns that were good passing opportunities, and you'd see that he'd pick a line. Fernando would, would cover it and block him out from passing him, and he'd be like, "Okay." And the next time, try a different line through it. And Fernando would be like, aha, I see what you're doing there. And move again to just block him out. It was so cool. It was, I mean, and this is what I say about like that go team go energy. I mean, like I am now officially that weird guy that sits in bars and screams at the television. I mean, like I was not able to stay seated. I was so excited because I was in my head. I was like, holy shit. Not only might. I mean, if he holds him up long enough, because we're talking, this is go. This is going into like the last six or seven laps of the race, and it's looking like Esteban Ocon may be first, maybe Hamilton second, and this is just getting some kind of unreal. And uh, so we have ultimately what happens is. Uh, Fernando Alonso can only fight him off for so long. Hamilton passes him. Uh, well, he gets, well, let's be fair. For so long was over 10 laps. Yeah, I was about to say, for so long being like almost a tenth of the race. <laughs> and then uh, and then he has to still do battle with the other legendary Spaniard on the track, uh, Carlos Sainz. Yes. Who who puts up a good fight, but uh, I, I can't really put my finger on how what error he might have committed but um Hamilton gets him in a turn and he, and he gets him pretty well and managed to slide past him pretty quickly it was a clean pass it was it was and uh you can you can hear the disappointment in Carlos's voice which I hated for him I I I want to see Ferrari getting up on podium 
and and getting in there. Having said that, Fernando had held up Lewis for so long that there was no way because there was that gap, uh, as earlier mentioned, between Carlos and Seb and Ocon battling each other, mm. that Hamilton can eat that up to get into the fight and uh, and take it to um, to Ocon and Seb. So he's a, unless the other cars in front of him explode, <laughs> third place. It's, well, I mean, at this point in the Hungaro ring, literally everything else has happened. So, you know, it's kind of everybody's on tenterhooks oh, waiting for somebody to go over and take the flag. But, uh, yeah, he uh, I think you see Lewis come into the frame like as Ocon and Vettel are flying over the finish line. And I mean, he's just then getting into a point where, you know, he might close in to start battling. And uh, meanwhile, in the front, Seb has is pulling out every trick from his uh, sorted, like a decorated career in F1 to try to get past Ocon. And we're talking about a guy who, if you don't know who Sebastian Vettel is, uh, he has how many hundreds of podiums in his career? Uh, He has a he is a very well decorated driver. He has four consecutive world championships under his belt from 2010 to 2013. And you'd think back then, uh, you know, like, all right, well, he had the fastest car. He just got into him. No, I think specifically the 2010 and 2012 championships, he punched his way into that winner's circle uh, with blood, sweat, and tears. It was uh, some of the best world championships you could watch. I think the 2012 season is regarded as like the best season because he had six world champs on the grid. Guaranteed, I'm getting that year wrong, and someone's going to talk about it later. But uh, yeah, well, was, you know, like we say at the BPL, uh, you can't downvote a podcast. So, ha ha. <laughs> Actually, you can. Yeah, Please uh, don't downvote the podcast. That would be really uh, bad. like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell. Uh, uh, yes, probably. I don't know, but yeah, Vettel is a phenomenal driver and one of the just like elder statesmen of the grid. This year has been like old guys doing awesome, by the way. Alonzo, Vettel, Raikkonen's been doing all right. Uh, but yeah, and of course, Hamilton, who is older than I think. True, true. But yeah, he, um, man, really, f- from all of them, just phenomenal racing. And uh, so we have Esteban Ocon flying over the line, taking the checkered flag. Uh, I believe that was his first P1 in his career. That was at his all. very first win in Formula One, uh, was, which is unbelievable. Did he P1 at all in F2? I know yeah, he's had race wins. I think he's had race wins before. I don't know, to be honest. But I, uh, I remember the commentators saying something about he. They'd only mentioned. And I haven't looked at his history. They only mentioned him getting P2. So I didn't know if that was like his first P1. And I was just thinking like, what a, what an amazing victory to like, you're, you're never beaten that high. No. And nobody could take it away from you because it's not like it. Sure. It was an odd race in the beginning with Botas bowling, but Vettel kept him honest the entire way through. And there 100%. were fast people behind him that could have taken him out if he just put a foot wrong once. And yep. he did. He did it. He kept it together. And he and he demonstrated that by doing about fifteen victory laps. Oh my uh, god! Yeah. <laughs> so the the <laughs> funny part is uh, he didn't go back to Park Farm. He uh, kind which is where the 
it's where the celebration happens. And uh, he stopped the car somewhere down the track and had to run he back at the end of pit lane. He's because he forgot to go. I mean, it's his first time getting on the podium in F1 yeah. too. So he didn't, you know, you're excited. It's all adrenaline. Maybe you don't know the procedure, but he stopped at the end of pit lane and had to run uh, down pit lane to get to uh, where they do the interviews. Which, um, which for those of you so who don't know, um, F1 cars are like sharks. Colberto once explained to me, uh, if they stop, they die. So when you just stop the F1 car on the road, not near the pit and where the mechanics can like keep it from dying, that's very bad. Yeah. If they have, um, no starter motors are heavy, so they don't have starter motors. Yep, so yep. if, uh, if you let the engine die in the F1 car, that's your race. That's it. Donezo. Also, but, uh, uh, cooling yeah. is a factor. Uh, but oh, uh, yeah. anyway, also, also, and this becomes very important later, hmm. the FIA requires you to take a fuel sample at the end of one your liter. race of one liter. So the mechanics kind of have to be, you know, in reach of the car to put that together, um, which well, is unfortunate. Uh, Doubly so for Sebastian Vettel, who uh, walked up to his team and apologized for uh, actually on the team radio. You could hear him as soon as he crossed saying, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I tried so hard. I, I really thought I could get it. Um, little did he know it would be his team apologizing to him very shortly because they didn't. What was it? Was it they didn't put enough gas in the car? What happened? Because they couldn't so, get the fuel sample and he got disqualified. Yeah, what what happened was whatever calculation they did before the race didn't give him enough fuel to cross the finish line. Maybe they thought he wasn't going to be in such a harsh battle. They didn't do the consumption rate correctly. Whatever happened, when he crossed that start-finish line, uh, he was told by his team, they kind of got on the radio panicked and are like, stop the car, stop the car, and forced him. So he also ran to uh, the interviews. And it wasn't because his car broke down or anything. It's because they were desperate that he keep as much fuel in that car as possible. And uh, when the FIA finally came to it at the end of the race and judged how much they could take out of it, they need a leader. They got a, a 0.3 liters out of it. Oh. If I remember correctly. Mm. So and I know that, that Aston Martin tried to fight it too and say, Oh, it's in yep. the lines. We can get it out. And they just, they weren't having it. So fun fact that's happened once before as a DQ, uh, Red Bull had it happen back in the early 2010s. Huh. The driver who was affected was Sebastian Vettel. Oh, man. You think the yep. second time he'd, he'd probably be quite chapped. I, I, it was, he's done everything to prove that he still belongs there, that he's still fast as hell, that he hadn't lost the magic. And uh, this isn't his first podium this year either. But no. it is the first podium that is being taken out of his hands. Oof. And uh, the protests are complete. Uh, they've Aston Martin has rescinded their protest actually after some uh, some hearings and what have you. Yeah. Unfortunately, Vettel will be a podium in our hearts, but not on paper. Yep. That's, having, having said that, another interesting fact of this: uh, Carlos Sainz gets his second phantom podium in F1. Isn't that some crazy? Was wait, all right. Was the first phantom podium from the last time that Vettel got DQ'd for fuel? No, it isn't. It's, okay, because that would have been last really phantom podium was, if I remember correctly, when Lewis Hamilton took out one Alexander Albon in a turn, 
and after the race was subsequently handed down a penalty that dropped him a place and propped young Carlos Sainz onto the podium, which uh, McLaren celebrated after everyone went home on the podium. Ah, uh, Spinal. That's unfortunate <laughs> for him. Yeah, that uh, man, you hate to see it. Um, as I said earlier, Seb is like the most wholesome person in all of F1 racing. Um, I, I don't know if you saw it, the video of uh, all the drivers arriving to the Hungaro ring. And so it's like, you know, Lewis pulls up and uh, what I'm getting, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make stuff up like, you know, the AMG GTR, which is like a quarter some, million dollar car. It's, it's some crazy clearance. It's, it's exactly the sort of cars you would imagine F1 drivers owning and driving to wherever. And then it's just like, it's Seb. Here comes Seb Vettel on his little bike with his rucksack over his shoulders. Ding, ding. Just biking in, just smiling and waving at the press. And and then uh, let's oh, see, was so it, good. was it Silverstone where he stayed after to pick trash up in the grandstand? Yeah, I, I believe so. He just stayed to do trash and he like visited a, uh, a trash facility to learn how it works. He's going through the whole like, good person PR tour, but it, it's, it serves him because he is such a lad, uh, just one of the greatest personalities that F1 has had. So, and he was, everyone hated him back when he was winning all the time. Cause he was just this German Wunderkin who came in and started winning. Now he's everyone. Loves, you can't hate Vettel. You can't. So I kind of shrug and raise my eyebrows because I'm about to hate on the person that's currently winning. Um, speaking of personalities, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Um, uh-huh. t- so, objectively, a great sportsman. Anytime there is an accident, he's one of the first guys on the radio to say, hey, are they okay? Yeah. He's an excellent sport, but we're seeing, I think, and th- this is only me over two years of F1 racing. How do you feel about, do you feel his psychology or maybe his outlook has changed a little now that he is being challenged and he is not in first place. This has happened before. He used to have a teammate by the name of Nico Rosberg. Oh, the guy who, yeah, the guy who commented, uh, actually, I believe, uh, at, um, at the Hungarian ring. Yeah, it was the Hungarian ring. Yeah. He did a great job, by the way, I think I, I really enjoyed it. I liked it. It was, it felt very Tony Romo to me from football where you had someone who had just recently been in the game, Mm -hmm. come in and start commentating on people who were doing it. It's like, Oh, it's cool having that expert voice there as opposed to people who may have been doing it a while ago or who were, you know, career commentators. But, um, I think he played off well with the guy who he was with and he was crafty. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he um, back in I, I forget which season it was, but it was one of the seasons that Lewis didn't win over his uh, his streak. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosberg was faster is a hard thing to say because Lewis is fast, but Rosberg started taking the challenge to him and he started uh, kind of battling with him. It caused a very sour era in the history of Mercedes, hmm. where him and so Rosberg and Lewis grew up racing together really good buddies. Uh, in fact, I think Rosberg's uh, dad or team or something is, are the guys that like prop Lewis into it. Fun fact about Lewis. He's also a guy who came from very little. Yeah, from His nothing. dad worked three jobs to put him into, you know, carding. And if he was found by Rosberg and company, uh, Rosberg comes from, uh, from some wealth, 
was able to kind of help fund his way into being in, you know, carding back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and Lewis just punched their way up together in the sport. And then they got to the pinnacle F1. Now they're both on the same team. This is the dream team. They became bitter against each other over the mm. course of that. So I think um, during that, you saw Lewis kind of shift a bit where he's usually very magnanimous. He's uh, he's like an all around good guy. And like the memes about him, sure, he's kind of a hard guy to hate, well, at least when it comes to the sport, outside of the sport notwithstanding. Now he's under pressure. He seems a bit more dour on the track. He's a bit more aggressive with things. And yeah, I don't think he's having the best of times inside yeah. of that cockpit uh, compared to where he had been in previous seasons. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember if it was Nico uh, commenting about it during the Hungarian, but I remember there mm-hmm. being a discussion with, uh, I think it was Nico, uh, a discussion about the relationship between, you know, the driver and uh, the guys on the pit wall. And uh, yeah, they, you know, they got to keep them, keep them up, keep their confidence going. Uh, exactly. And uh, I remember a portion of the race where, you know, Lewis was really down. He was like, you know, I, he was still kind of towards the back. Um, and, and the thing that really struck me is it was, I think, lap five or six of a 76 lap race. 70 some laps. Yeah, maybe something shaved off from the red flag, but I don't remember. And uh, and he says, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, he he, he was mean, just completely he, like checked out. At least it's what he sounded like. That early in the race, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point, he said, uh, it wasn't exactly then, but at some point later, I think at that point, the guy just said, you know, Lewis, you're still in it. You know, we can do this. Um, Maybe I'm thinking Silverstone, but some somewhere... Uh, I guess the guy was like, I've had enough of your friggin' sass. And uh, Lewis came over the radio and he was like, I don't know if I can do this. And he said, you're the fucking world champion. Yes, you can. Now get on it. And I, uh, I think I don't, I like Lewis Hamilton. I, I do too. Yep. I don't, I don't have a problem with, uh, um, I think that the, uh, the crash in Silverstone maybe showed uh, some poor judgment fueled by aggression. Um, I think he, he was at fault, but I think at the end of the day, it was, a, they were both racing really hard yes. and something happened. And so like, I, I would, with the understanding that of course, nobody wants to see drivers get hurt. I mean, I watched, um, a couple of days ago, Roman Grosjean's crash, uh, for the first yeah. time. And it was oh, really, fucking, it was horrifying. It was, I watched that. I watched that with my old man. We both looked at each other and we said, we just watched a man die. I, and I, even going into it, um, so I watched the recording. Um, I was uh, I was not able to watch the race live, so I already knew the outcome. And I mean, even starting the race, like I felt kind of uneasy. And when I saw that car go into that barrier, split in half, and explode, I was like, "I I can't believe this." I mean, like, so n- nobody obviously wants to see that kind of thing happen. But on the other hand, you do want some exciting racing. And uh, I think that in order to have exciting racing and to let these people who are at the pinnacle of automotive racing, and I, I firmly believe that F1 is the pinnacle of skill in automotive racing, they're competitive. You have to let them be aggressive with one another within the bounds of reason and 
when you let that happen, eventually people are going to, you know, rub some rubber in the wrong place and it's going to send somebody off the track. Um, and the, to the FIA's credit, they've been pretty good about it, uh, especially as of late. Uh, they're very lenient on first lap incidents when everybody's still bunched up and right. just trying to move their way up the track. So someone getting a penalty there usually means that you've ruined somebody else's race or have done mm-hmm. something to get a like unfair advantage during that time. But if they're just bouncing each other and trading some carbon fiber, they're typically fairly, they'll not turn a blind eye, but they'll look upon it more favorably as, you know, these guys are just trying to get their positions because, you know, and it's yeah. exciting. People want to see it. I mean, you'll see people, gosh, turn one of any F1 race, really. And honestly, you'll see some people, uh, you know, trading rubber and I can't even count how many, you know, fin slaps they'll get with the with the front fin you know on people's tires just just getting in there and trying to jockey for it man you know but um i i i don't want to see lewis hamilton now that he's in a position where he can really like have that race and really have that challenge i don't want to see him just you know throw it all away by you know giving up and, and going sour grapes on it you know i think he's too good of a racer to just chuck in the towel like that so it's always interesting when he gets dour like that though i don't see his racecraft change very much i think that he's he's still doing the job he's still pushing through he still carved his way through that pack like a knife through butter oh yeah even in a car that's not super great at at that aspect of it, at least it's yeah. fast but when you get close it's not awesome so and and as it turns out uh with some really fairly serious health concerns at the end of the yeah, race uh, as well oh my uh, God. For those of you who don't know, he actually wound up in the hospital after the race. Uh, apparently, he was having some. Uh, so Lewis contracted uh, COVID nineteen earlier in the season, and he's uh, apparently still last having year. some. Uh, what was it last year? It was last year. That was when Russell took his spot for a race. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, but even even now, still having some after effects, and uh, on the podium, really looked bad. Like really. Yeah. Rough. So when they got out. Uh, he he was slow to get out of the car. He seemed to be like a bit rough. Uh, so, so one of the, before getting into that, uh, I'll talk about it after. So he he gets to the podium uh, on the top of the celebration, and an F one podium celebration. You know, bring out the trophies, they hand it to you. You're up there, right. wave to the crowd, and then afterwards, you know, these big bottles of champagne that they pop open and like drink and spray it on each other. Yeah, it's it's very, you know, oh, it, it's tradition. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hamilton couldn't lift the bottle. Hamilton looked like he was about to collapse. And both uh, Vettel and Ocon, both on, on the podium with him, uh, when they realized that Hamilton looked like death warmed over, got real concerned and, you know, yeah. helping them stay up. And uh, he quickly left the podium after... Yeah. Uh, things started to die down. A little I believe bit, he, so. he actually had to hold on to Ocon for the for the group photo, and, and Ocon yes, was were clearly Ocon, Ocon and Vettel both were clearly very concerned about his well being, which um, I think yeah. speaks overall to the high degree of sportsmanship in in the sport as well. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the Hungara ring in and out, and he's fine. He's fine. Uh, oh, wait, oh. There's, I think there's still two things to talk about. Yeah, the, send uh, it. We got, we got about, uh, I think maybe 15 more minutes. We can let's let's get Colberto's yeah. hot takes. But bo- bo- both, uh, no, both end of race sort of things. The first one is uh, Fernando Alonso used to be uh, 
uh, kind of a hot-headed racer. His personality was kind of prima donna in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Back when he was racing uh, McLaren, Ferrari, stuff like that. He comes back into the sport with Alpine. Uh, even when he was on McLaren, right before he left uh, for the Alpine trip, he mm-hmm. was the guy famous on the radio shouting like, GP2 engine, GP2 engine, ah! Or, the engine feels great, much slower than before. Amazing. <laughs> and just generally being a salty, salty uh, sea dog on the radio. Hey, if I can interject real quick, <laughs> has Sonoda taken his place? Because the best radio call in all of Hungaro Ring was, hey, uh, can you just call uh, Grosjean and tell him to get out of the fucking way? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so good. Not Grosjean. Grosjean's an indie now, but I forget uh, who it was. But yeah, Gasly. Was oh it Gasly? my god, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, but Alonso has this like amazing heel turn when he comes back to race for Alpine. Alonso was at the podium waiting for Ocon to get there, his teammate. Yes. And like congratulating him and holding him up, and like teammates fight each other harder than anybody else in this sport. And uh, the fact that with his teammates' first win, you had this, you know, two-time, three-time, I forget exactly which, world champion, who's who's the guy who's your main rival, they're just, like, pumping you up and cheering you on and holding you up as, like, the man of the hour was so cool to watch. Like, Alonzo, you know, his heart grew three sizes that day, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the... Very um, cool stuff. The... uh, I loved their formation lap that they did. In, yeah, in the side Alpines. by side, they're pointed was, at each other. Oh man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. I I completely so, agree. The second part, which I I think it's hilarious that you forgot because everybody forgot. There has been like George Russell oh, watch oh, going on oh, for the longest the curse time. Of George Russell. Of I love George, George Russell, and I completely <laughs> forgot to bring him up. They're George, I'm sorry for him to get his his first points in Formula One uh, in a in a Williams, which is the team that he's on. Um, he has had like the most rotten string of luck. Every time it looks like he's going to get into the points, something happens and he falls right out of the points. Mm-hmm. The last race, Alonso knocked him out of the points uh, in mm. the back of the field. He was gonna finish tenth, and then Alonso passed him. Uh, but in this race. Um, Oh, and he has scored points before uh, in another race that he, he subbed for Lewis Hamilton last season. <laughs> he uh, scored points in uh, Mercedes. Uh, yeah, he, but he was very much in a position to win the race and get his maiden win in Formula One in the fastest car on the grid. And Damn Mercedes man. had two failures as a team. They screwed up one of his pit stops uh, with the wrong tires on the car. And then, oh no, they didn't do two screw-ups. He got pulled in. They gave uh, so his teammate at the time, Valtteri Bottas. When they pulled him in, they double stacked, meaning not a, not an Oreo, but both cars <laughs> came in at the same time, effectively, and they did one and then did the other quickly after. But they screwed up and gave Russell Bottas's tires, and were about to give Bottas Russell's tires until somebody realized that they screwed up and just swapped the tires back and sent Bottas out, forcing Russell to come back in or suffer a penalty to change his tires again which knocked him way down the grid. And then he got a puncture and had to come in again to change tires. The curse. So Russell has been Russell. just dicked out of 
every possibility of having like the result he wants. Like he got points in the Mercedes, but he missed out on a podium and a, probably a win. This is the race. George Russell finishes 10th place, bumps up to ninth. He scored two points for Williams, and that was overshadowed by everything else that happened this race and his teammate Nicholas Latifi outscoring him by finishing higher in the points, like sixth or fifth, I forget which. Sixth place. Uh, Big no, uh, Owie. Seventh place, rather. Yeah, so Latifi scores four more points than George Russell in his first point-scoring oh. appearance as a Williams driver. George, buddy. <laughs> Hate to see it happen. So, oh. uh, let's real quick, before we wrap things up, so we we are going into Spa, mm-hmm. uh, whose whose name I cannot pronounce. Suffice to say that if you're in the Spa south, Franco it's, champs. Yeah, so it's Spa Frank and his champs. Yeah, yeah, sure. Belgium, something. At any rate, those Belgians. beautiful, beautiful track. Um, and uh, I have to say, I am quite stoked. Uh, so we have, I think at this point, oh, Hamilton oh, leading by two points over Verstappen. Uh, it may be a little more now. I maybe a bit more. Well, it's, it, I, I remember seeing it at the end of, uh, at the end of the race before Vettel's DQ and everybody moving up a place. So it's like eight points. He's got eight points on him. He's got eight points on him. So that's, when you're a top contender and you earn a shit ton of points a race, that's 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 a lead that can grow or disappear by a mile pretty quickly. Um, that's going to be a good battle, I think. I'm I'm hoping uh, Red Bull will stop having terrible luck uh, and that Pirelli's snipers will not be out there blowing <laughs> tires up, and also that someone will not bowl a car into his car and destroy it. Um, we I'm also really- have a here's the current constructor standings to get you into how crazy this is going to be Mercedes and Red Bull Mercedes leads the constructors championship 303 to Red Bull's 291. Hmm. So they're right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ferrari is then in third place with 163 McLaren Mercedes. Ooh. 163. They McLaren. are tied for third place McLaren and Ferrari. Hmm. And then one step down, Alpine has 77, and Alpha Tauri, Red Bull's second team, has oh, 68. Yeah. So there are six teams in three brackets, constructor-wise, trying to beat the piss out of each other uh, to get ahead. So there are some very interesting battles going on right now. Nice. Also, Williams is in eighth place in the constructors because of that performance. Like That's blowing my mind. That's shocking. I, I think if you showed that to like past us, we'd laugh at you and tell you you're fucking stupid. Yep. Um, damn. That's that's going to be a good race, I think. I think uh, that's going to be oh, a really, really good Oh, and the battle for third place in the championship? It's Lando, Botas, Perez. Lando mm-hmm. has 113. Botas has 108. Perez has 104. So this race is going to shuffle that up. Uh, and then behind that, Sainz and Leclerc, the two Ferraris, three points between them, 83 to 80. Good yep. night. It's going to be a good one. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to try and uh, do our next podcast shortly after that. Uh, yep. The Obviously, for those uh, for those of you who are not enlightened in the ways of the podcast uh recording takes we're about an hour and a half right now we'll edit that down 
Uh, editing takes a while. Publishing takes a while. So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, it's probably going to be maybe even after the race this weekend at Spa. But uh, we'll punch them out to you. We're hoping for uh, maybe like a uh, bi-weekly, twice a month kind of deal. Uh, you can find us on Anchor FM. Uh, that's where we're going to start. Uh, good thing about Anchor is once you've produced a certain amount of content, they will start pushing your stuff out to uh, other partners like Spotify. So look for us right now on Anchor. Uh, we're also going to have a Twitter set up. Once again, we are the very midfield podcast because, well, <laughs> you know, that's where you'll find we're us. All right. uh, Twitter is at very midfield PC and uh, Anchor FM, very midfield podcast. Appreciate you joining us. I've been Nick. Well, wait, hold on. Oh. Is there a place where people can ask questions that we can answer? So, ostensibly, yes. That's an excellent question. Okay. I, I wasn't going to get to this quite yet. So, on if we want user engagement to be a big deal. Um, one of my favorite things about F1 has been talking to people and asking questions and learning and I also find that now that I'm learning more about the sport, a great thing is to have questions asked and explain them and uh, just have other voices contribute to the conversation. Um, Anchor FM has a function where you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can leave us an intelligible, reasonable message. Uh, you can be like Mr. Tex of the Black Pants Legion and perhaps just tell us mustard repeatedly. You can even be like another guy we know and just fart into the microphone for 10 or 15 seconds and call it good. So do do with this power as you will. Now, I will say this. I previewed the podcast's public anchor page. I don't know if it's because we don't have a podcast up or if you have to have a certain amount of content on the website first, but I don't see a voicemail option. Uh, if it continues to be a problem and people want to ask questions, uh, they can get to us through the Twitter for right now. Uh, I may briefly open up the uh, email. We do have a, a podcast email account. So uh, I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Get your pen and your pad ready. We'll take some. Oh, emails. shoot. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, buddy. Um, you're going to be emailing very midfield podcast at gmail.com. Just for right now while we figure out the whole Anchor FM voice message thing and and go from there. But uh if you would, uh, if you'd like to find us, that's where we are. That's how you can communicate with us. We would love to hear from you. Love to hear your questions. Uh, love to hear about things that you want to hear discussed in the next podcast or in future podcasts. I, I don't think we're averse to uh, going into some of the discussions about historical F one or uh, you know skimming on the technical things. We're we're happy to give you a uh, high level overview of topics that interest you and and maybe even uh, other podcasts that delve deeper into those things so that you can scratch that F one itch, get your get your race on, go fast and eat ass, as they say. Which is and if failing that, we'll just make shit up. So yeah, or or we can just sit here and lie for an extended period of time. Who knows? But maybe that's what we did. You're going to turn on the the Hungaro ring, and you're going to be like, none of these things happened. This was a normal race. Hungaro ring. Just like birds, the Hungaro ring isn't real. So you know, there that is. But uh, Colberto, anything else before we uh, before we punch out of this thing? No, that's pretty much it. Hopefully, this wasn't crap, and y'all enjoyed it, and. Uh, Looking forward to doing it again. 
Oh, likewise. Well, Colberto, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there, and uh, we will catch you somewhere in the midfield. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>